0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy.
2: You're listening to Griefcast with me, Carrie Ad Lloyd. How do we grieve for someone? How does it change and evolve as we get older? My dad died when I was 15, and it took me many, many years to be able to express what I had gone through. So I decided to create Griefcast a chance to talk, share, and laugh about the weirdness of grief and death. But with comedians, so it's not that depressing, I promise. Each time I talk to a different comedian about their own personal experience of grief, as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club, this is a chance to talk about the peculiar human process of death. Welcome to Griefcast. Thank you for listening. If you have been enjoying the show, you might like to know I'm doing a live Griefcast on March 21st at the Pathology Museum in St. Bart's Hospital in London. I'll be joined by award-winning journalist Dolly Auditon, Radio 4's Gwanya Maguire, and Edinburgh Comedy Award nominee Ahir Shah. So if you would like to see some cheery chats about death in front of your eyes instead of in your ears, please come join us. This week I'm talking to writer and columnist Nikesh Shukla. His debut novel, Coconut Unlimited, was shortlisted for the Costa First Novel Award. Since then, he has written several other novels, essays, short stories, and edited the award-winning The Good Immigrant. His next novel, The One Who Wrote Destiny, is out in April of this year, and he came in to talk to me about his mum, who died in 2010. Welcome to Grief Class. I'm here today with writer and columnist Nikesh Shukla. Uh, As ever, who are we remembering today?
0: Uh, my mum. Your mum. My mum. What's your mum's name? Jayshree.
2: Jayshree, that's a lovely name. Does it mean anything?
0: Yes. What does it
2: mean? Do you not know? <laughs>
0: no. <laughs> <laughs>
2: we'll get someone to tweet. So, Jayshree, it's a beautiful name. Jayshree.
0: If anyone, if anyone's going to school me on what things mean, it'll be the far right dickheads. <laughs> like a couple of years ago, I I did this. I did like this big thing around diversity and publishing, and I got really, really trolled for it and um, someone discovered that like shukal like which it shukla shukal means pure in oh, in right, hindi yeah. which and like a synonym is white and so they were like your surname is white and there and you are so you're very anti-white because you're doing um all this diversity work and diversity is white genocide how dare you your surname means white and it's like what are you talking about that doesn't mean anything it's
2: almost incredible isn't it how that the the dots they can join yeah you're like wow like um, as a as a writer, I'm impressed by what you've made out of two things that were not connected at yeah. all. Like, there's almost impressive justification.
0: I too can read the top Google search for <laughs> yeah. meaning of Shukla.
2: Yeah. Um. So when did she pass away or die, whatever you prefer?
0: Yeah, that's an interesting one. Yeah. Some pass- people.
2: I i I should check before I start because I don't mind die, but some people really don't like it. They prefer saying pass
0: away. Um, she died in 2010, in October 2010.
2: 2010, so you're coming up for your eighth year. Yeah. Yeah, so that's quite, that's quite a big chunk, isn't it? The, you've gone part, we always talk about on the show, like, the first, second and third year. It's still, I think, it's still quite fresh. You call it your baby, Sages of Grief. But you're sort of getting into that almost a decade. That's a long, a lot of stuff has happened.
0: Yeah, I guess it's, I, I guess a lot of it is because at the time, like, the, the time in my life that she died and how she died were both quite traumatic for me and okay. I, I don't think I really processed it for the first year or two years I had a heaviness about me but I don't okay. think I really like yeah. dealt with how I was feeling around it which so was...
2: how did she die what happened
0: so she she's she'd had um like a lung condition for a really long time uh called scoliosis which kind of involves scarring yeah. scar tissue forming in your lungs so she's always had like respiratory prob. She mm-hmm. had or, or, always had respiratory problems. Like, um, we lived in Kenya for a year, and uh, she, when she and my dad came out to visit, she had to have like a what oh, it
1: like an oxygen mask. Or, yeah, like, yeah. The, the whole
0: flight. Oh wow. Um, uh, but the thing about the scar tissue is it can like scar over cancerous growths, and oh. so like you can't you can't always detect it early enough and so by the time she was in hospital for a really long time because they thought she had TB oh wow and then she got transferred to um Royal Brompton which is like a a lung specialist hospital Mm. in London and then she was there for like in hospital for like a good month month and a half and um they finally found that she like the scar tissue had like formed over quite late stage cancerous growth and so she was given, like, six months. Wow. And then and she died, the... like, two weeks after her diagnosis, like, quite suddenly.
2: Oh, God. So they said, oh, well, you've got this time, and
0: then... And then we didn't have that oh, time. Oh, my God. And then she she came... Like, it was, it was a really strange time, because um, my... So she died on the 18th of October. Mm. Um, my first novel came out on the 28th of October.
2: Oh, God god sorry that just yeah the stuff like that's really hard i'm and sort of scrunching my face up because it's like she didn't get to see i mean obviously she knew you'd written it right
0: yeah and, and like the the week before i think was our big launch party and she was gonna come but she just couldn't yeah it was just a weird time where like all this amazing stuff was happening around the book and there was lots of excitement and then you know been booked to do loads of, like, book readings and, like, do interviews and stuff. And meanwhile, like, the worst thing imaginable was happening at home. Wow. And, like, it's something you don't really want to talk about because you kind of want to keep it yourself and keep yeah. it in your heart. And, um, like, just to kind of give you, like a very stark example of how, how strange it was. The day of her funeral was also the day of, like, a two-page interview with me in Metro. Oh, my God. And, like, loads of my friends and acquaintances and people I sort of knew from Twitter and stuff obviously didn't know that my mum had died. But they are all, like, texting me and tweeting me and emailing me going... Um, congrats. Congrats. What a great
2: interview, yeah. While
0: I'm on the way to my mum's funeral. And, like, there's just something weird. Like, I just couldn't turn my phone off.
2: Yeah.
0: Like, it was almost like the distraction of that...
2: Well, I can imagine, because I mean, we all have, we're all addicted to our phones now anyway, and when, I know when you're in, when something, like I'd say that if a program's on or something's happening, there is that kind of like, okay, I need to manage this, I'm getting tweet- tweeted, or I, need to, or I need to do my own promo and say stuff, and it becomes, the way that Twitter and social media work, I think, it feels like you're working, it feels like oh, I'm sort of managing something here, yeah. which must have felt quite nice in the midst of all the chaos of emotions of your mum's funeral maybe to be like oh this is manageable I can talk about my interview with people
0: yeah but at the same time it like to people who know what's going on it sort of seems really weird oh yeah and it's funny how like that was obviously a really sort of monumentously awful and amazing time in my life Mm. and like that sort of dealing of grief privately and sort of having a public persona on social media became like the large part of my second novel, like the large hey, thematics in my second right. novel. And my new novel, which is coming out in April, called The One Who Wrote Destiny, is in four parts and like it's all dealing with a bereavement or a set of bereavements in this family. So it's um,
2: right up our listeners. <laughs> this is yeah, so
0: like it it's basically hinges around the death of a mother who's died from a lung condition and it follows the dad as he recounts the story of how he met the oh, mum wow. it follows the the daughter as she become she gets diagnosed with the, with the same type of cancer mm. as her mum and because the daughter is um is a scientist she starts to tr- sort of like this sort of weird magical realism story of mm. like her investigations into like how ge- how genetic code can repeat itself and then it then it becomes about a stand-up who is touring the world in the wake of a big bereavement and sort of dealing with, like, things very publicly and very yeah, privately. Yeah. Um, and so, like, yeah, like, it's funny how all this stuff kind of... I guess, like, writing is my way of processing all this stuff. How
2: did it feel writing something so close to your own story? Like, did you feel you started to process it, as you said? Or what were the moments where you're like, I don't want to write this today? because clearly that's very influenced by what happened to you.
0: Yeah, like I th- I find writing is is the way I figure stuff out. Mm. Like I, I need to write it and to kind of work out how I feel about it. I'm not I'm not I'm not massively easy to talk to about all that sort of stuff mm. because it kind of it sort of stays in my chest. Yeah, um, yeah. so writing it like even just very i know i was like hey can i come on your podcast it seems (laughs) really interesting and here i am going oh i'm actually not very good at talking about this stuff
2: it's writers like it's i completely understand because i think everybody has like a main not skill that's wrong but like so i'm like a writer performer but i'm really a performer writer that makes sense because my husband is a writer director but he really is a like he is a writer that's how his brain works that's how he sees the world like he has to go and write it down and i that's not how my brain. Works. I can, I you know, can absorb. But yeah, I think writing is if you are, if writing is your leading personality trait, I guess. Yeah, it is it's you see the world in a very different way. Yeah, you so, I well, the way he sees it, it's like it's he collects a lot of things and then goes away and processes them. Whereas I'm like processing it all the time. Here we go, right in front of you. Whereas I think writers, it's much more like I'm going to sit on that for a little bit. So I yeah. guess that's why maybe the book has taken you that book particularly.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, like, I mean, she, my mum crops up in my work a lot. I, I think, you know, the fact that I do this and not something more conventional was always like a big bone of contention between us. And just at the point at which I, I kind of got
1: validation yeah. from
0: her that things were going well, like she, she, she was suddenly not around anymore. I, and I guess I, I've, I've always felt quite haunted by that. Um, like so ri- writing it sort of it helps to kind of conjure her again i've al- i've always been sort of fascinated by this this idea that in death we kind of romanticize the person who, who mm. has left us so you know we really remember we really cherish the really nice times and mm. we you know we sort of roll our eyes at the really bad times um but the things that we tend to forget are the really mundane things <laughs> yes yeah,
2: yeah yeah
0: so like after my mum died like i was spending a lot of time like either gigging or with my dad who like I also worked with um, for a bit well, he or he worked where I worked I got him a job where I worked just before my mum died and um, just, like there was one day where I was I was looking for something of my mum's and um, I found like this shopping list of like that she had written and mm. like it was like a really mundane shopping list like you know Weetabix, sugar, <laughs> whatever <laughs> yeah. pasta but it was just something really powerful about seeing her handwriting. Yeah. And her handwriting sort of involved in something as mundane as like doing the big shop. Yeah. And I'd just moved to Bristol. Um so like it's sort of weird stuff. Like I, I, I the year after my mum died, I moved to Bristol, but I kept my job in London, so I was commuting back to London oh, wow, yeah. and staying in my childhood bedroom at my dad's <laughs> house two nights a week, which was kind mm. of
2: Interesting. (laughs) Yeah,
0: lots of weird stuff going on. I had this shopping list, and like every time I'd go back to Bristol, it just like it didn't feel like home because I was sort of two nights a week I was back at home,
2: real home, like home you cannot deny. Like someone made that home for you. Yes, it's very powerful to be back there, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and like one day I was like, I'm gonna do this shop. Oh, so I did the shop. (gasps) Wow. I did my mum's shop, and um, had all this stuff, and then I remembered. That um, so on our wedding day, um, we we'd been presented with a book of recipes oh. that um, my mother-in-law had asked everyone in both of our families to basically write down the recipe of their family. Yeah, yeah. And she had collated all these family recipes. We had this family recipe book, and I had two recipes from my mum in there. And I was like, I need to I need to make something from yeah. all this food that I bought. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to try um, some Gujarati home cooking. I tried to cook something nearly burnt the house down <laughs> Um, like but there was just like this moment amongst all the smoke and like the fire alarm, the smoke alarm going off um, where like my kitchen just smelt like mum's kitchen yeah. just for a second and it really, really took me to another place wow. Um and so I got really, really obsessed with like trying to cook my mum's recipes mm. and I sort of built up to these two recipes that were in her book and now we can kind of like do, do them without the book. Without the, without, the smoke alarm. <laughs> without the smoke alarm. And they sort of taste like a version of my mum's wow. food. But there's just something really powerful about, like, that, th- you know, the, the kitchen is, all, like, in most families, is, like, the communal room that yeah. where everyone congregates. Um, and, you know, it really was my mum's domain. And, uh, like, my bedroom was above the kitchen.
2: Oh, wow. So you must have had those smells so strongly.
0: Yeah. And, like, the sound of, like, Bollywood music and... um you know the sound of the pressure cooker and so like the food food was really really powerful for me and I was always already feeling quite like rootless in Bristol and not not Mm. feeling like it was home and suddenly like I was sort of equipping myself with these sort of tools to make this house that we'd moved into feel like home so like it smelled like home and and all the rest of it and then randomly one day in Bristol I found this this is going to all sound like it's going to be made up, but it was like, it was really beautiful. Like I found this one Gujarati takeaway shop in Bristol called Tiffin's and we went in there and it was like, it was amazing because it was owned by two Gujaratis and I could talk in Gujarati to them, which was really nice because like the only time I ever get to use Gujarati is when I phone my family who are Mm. still all in London. And, you know, they, they, they kind of made, like versions of all these dishes that my mum wow. used to make and the woman who runs it is also called Jayshree and oh my
2: god hey I mean
0: it's like Andy oh okay no it's not, it's not, it's not I'm, j- I'm joking what but, no
2: don't ruin it for me but no
0: and but no this is a bizarre bit they're from Harrow where I grew up and they used to run like I think it was like a pizza a go esque <laughs> pizza place so like it wasn't like a good restaurant in Harrow but it was like where we'd go to to get pizzas when we should and so like I must have dealt with them when I was a teenager now they have this small like takeaway shop in Bristol and um kind of it made me feel like it made me feel a lot more at home but in a weird way it helped me grieve my mum because like my mum had always wanted me to be able to cook her food because she was like look you know you like this food can't just come home and get it and <laughs> yeah, I won't yeah, yeah. always be around so you might as well just learn and I had no interest in it. Oh really? At all. So
2: she tried when she was alive to try and teach you.
0: Yeah, yeah and i had no interest in it <laughs> at all. Um and it was only, like I mean obviously like there's so many things we we do yeah, we yeah. do when someone dies that we wished Yeah. we'd done when they were alive.
2: But I think it's funny isn't it because yes, it's obviously it's sad that there's a sadness like oh she did try and you didn't but also it's there's a beauty that she put that idea in your head of like these are important things yeah and you weren't ready because you were you know yeah when you're young you're like yeah yeah sure whatever but when she did die you were able to go oh I know what I need to do it's cook she kind of told you that before she died was like this is the thing that matters
0: yeah. these are this. the things that make a home yeah and like if you're moving out of here you're establishing a home base somewhere else and yeah. you need like if you want it to be like a home that you feel comfortable in Learn to cook <laughs> mate. So
2: you are you still cooking those dishes now?
0: Yeah. Like I was I was gonna make you some Yeah, yeah. some teplas, but um I didn't. That's all
2: right. <laughs> <Don't laughs>
0: I've got worry. two small children. Let me It's live. totally
2: fine. When you when you said you might make them I was I was impressed. I was like, wow, if you can get down to London, also get the kids to wherever they need to be and make, I would sort of be like have you got a nanny? Like, what's <laughs> happening? Because it is impossible to do cooking when a, a child is around. But so when you cook them now, do you... Are you able to cook them with a sense of, like, it? it it's not so painful now, it's just, like, a really nice thing? Or, it, or, or is your mum... Do you always feel her presence when you cook those dishes?
0: Not always. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you just kind of go through the motions because yeah. you're chucking stuff into a pad. And also maybe I, I probably don't cook as much as I used to. I, I think... Like my so my my three year old, she's she's at that stage where she's kind of like. She's asking lots of questions mm. like, who's my mummy? Who's my daddy? Who's my granddad? Who's my grandma? Who's yeah. and then she always like, she's sort of processing that she has two grandparents on one side and she has her dada my my dad yeah. on her other side, but she my mum's not around and we've always been like, she's dead. Mm. She's not around. And so, like, there are these sort of little associations that she have she has with um, my mum, and like, and it, one of them is whenever I make her a chickpea curry, she was always like, "Do you feel sad? This was your, this was the dish your mum used to make for you." Our
2: Kids are so incredible. Aren't I know,
0: they? like, or like, when so like, she has inherited my Spider-Man pillow, oh, which yes. my mum bought me randomly once, That's and she was like, "Does it make you sad that I have this pillow?" um and like she's really she's really processing death like she she she, uh, so i randomly like one day she was like i don't want to die and we were like you're not you're not going to for a while and she was like yeah i i I don't i don't like it i don't
2: (laughs) i'm not down with it yeah but i think
0: for her it just means not existing like not just not being around and that must seem sort of terrifying.
2: How do you feel when she says stuff like, oh, are you sad? Like, do you feel sad? Do you feel sad?
0: Or, yeah, you're yeah. right. Stop trolling yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. I'm really building I up this picture that my, my, my kid trolls me. Your 3 no,
2: is, yeah, she's getting you.
0: Yeah, it does. It does make me sad. Like, because I, I think, you know, my mum would have really liked to have met her grandkids. and uh, uh, I have
2: that, because both my husband's parents are dead, and then my dad is dead. So we have one, and when we really want to depress ourselves, <laughs> the pair of us are like, they would have just really loved to meet her. And we I find got that... got so
0: much babysitting out I know, I know,
2: yeah. I know. Mean, my poor mum, Like because she's the only one, we do rely on her so much. Someone said to me, they didn't mean it recently, but and my mum lives... I'm, I did grow up in London, and my mum is very London. The Welsh side was my dad's side. And someone said to me recently, oh, you're so lucky your mum's around in London. And I thought... Yeah, lucky am I that, like, that's all we've got. Like, our, you know, most people, most of my friends do have both sets of grandparents around. And, you know, I I do think that is when you do have kids. And I, I can't imagine what you're going through because she's older. So at the moment, my little girl just points at a picture occasionally. And if she points at my dad, I'm like, that's granddad anyway, because I don't quite know what to say yet. But obviously I'm going to have to when she starts asking questions. And my nephew's just start. My brother just whatsapped us all and was like oh I need a picture <laughs> of dad because I don't have one and he was like you know his son was asking what did he look like and he was like uh we <laughs> like somebody dig something up but is that that is it must be hard when you're faced with that
0: yeah and I don't I, I don't want I don't think it's good to sort of to lie about it
2: no I don't but it it is sad and I suppose it's about it's that thing about parenting isn't it like I I am okay with her seeing me be sad. Yeah. But I know some people often react a bit like, oh, do you want to protect them? And I think, no, I want her to know that he mattered and that's sad that she didn't get to... I don't know, like, when I was growing up, I remember some of my friends, they would say, oh, my granddad died in the war. (laughs) Like, and you could tell none of us knew what that meant. We were like, oh, right. And and now I think, God, that, you know, her mum was right there and her mum but her mum would say oh yes dear and change the subject and actually we should have asked so they could have told us stuff like we could have been part of that narrative a little bit like yeah, yeah i think it is important not to lie and obviously do whatever and, works for you but
0: and i guess yeah like <clears throat> just going back to picking up on another thing like that you said like i think it's important to kind of demystify the complexity of emotions yeah. so like if if the whole focus is on always being happy that, yes like
2: Think that can be and, just as dangerous
0: yeah and and it makes it hard for them to manage when they do get angry or frustrated mm. or sad and like uh, my friend lucy um who's the most amazing person she runs ministry of stories when my mum died she bought me michael rosen's sad book oh, god which yes um, <clears throat> if you haven't
2: read and it is so beautiful
0: is, yeah but
2: it is heartbreaking
0: yeah and but like the way it helps you to take ownership of your sadness mm. and convey the fact that it's okay to feel sad sometimes and everyone does, I think is utterly astounding. Yeah. And like, the fact <laughs> like, you can read it to a, I won't, I don't think I'm...
2: <laughs> three might be... Three might be a bit... <laughs> but yeah. Darling, you need to know some things. Oh
0: God, I started trying to read her like, good night stories for rebel girls and oh
2: we've got that yeah i think you have to wait <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> hold, yeah hold on it's yeah. too
2: much i have a weird relationship with that sad book because just after my husband's mum had died we went to this amazing museum it's not really a museum it's the house of illustration in king's cross so oh yeah, yeah, yeah you know it celebrates illustrators it's a quentin blake started it <clears throat> and, and he have...
0: did sad book didn't he
2: um yes he did yeah. the illustrations and um We went. I sort of went. We said, "Let's go to House of Illustration to cheer ourselves up." We were living by it, and the first room was like I think like a Russian kids' book exhibition. So it was really interesting. And oh, this is nice, God, Look at these amazing Soviet pictures. Great. And then the next room was the original pictures from the Sad Book. And I came into the room, realized what it was, and as I was about to be like, "Oh, you shouldn't come in here," he was already in and he'd already like done like a circuit of like the first you know wall. And I was like, (laughs) "No," and. I mean, you know, yeah, it was deeply upset. He said at the end, he was like, "I don't mind because it's such a beautiful book." But he was like, "I, I wasn't quite prepared." No. <laughs> so yeah, do prepare yourself because it's about the death of his son, isn't it? Say so, it. But it yeah. is absolutely. You're right. It is an astounding book of dealing with grief. But yeah, it's you gotta you gotta know what you're going into. Definitely. So your first book, Coconut Unlimited so that was your mum knew you'd written it then obviously because it was yeah. just about to come out so and you said it was a bit of a difficult so she was not that keen on you being a writer was she was no. she worried about the sort of you know unreliability of arts professions
0: yeah and I guess I guess it was more that she probably thought I was just a bit fickle because I spent the majority of my 20s writing in private but spending <sighs> a lot of my 20s as a very average rapper <laughs> But, <laughs> like, I can't come to this family occasion because I'm doing a gig in Bracknell.
2: Right, okay. Uh,
0: and I have to pay my own train fare. Yeah.
2: Um, That's not going to wash well with a mum. N- no. It? <laughs> like, it didn't wash well with my mum. When was you great. were
0: an average rapper. Yeah, like. when
2: I was an average rapper. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, I, I think she just so I so I, I did a law degree because my mum and dad were like, look – give yourself a foundation if you want to go into the arts just give yourself a foundation to fall back on and the thing that I kind of did when I did my law degree was like really focus on like I did loads of human rights modules and like and then I ended up working in lots of basically just working in in charities and not for profit organisations and trying to be a rapper and (laughs) and then at some point we went and lived in Kenya for a year and that was that was the year where I was like uh, like the thing about being an average rapper is like you either have to be because rapping rap involves a lot of bravado yeah and you either have to be good and have the <laughs> bravado or be so bad that the bravado is kind of funny yeah like yeah. old date bastard but if you're yeah. average that's like the death knell for a rapper because like <laughs>
2: you Made it your thing, but you have to really own it. You have to be like, I am. I am average. I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. Skip this track if you want.
0: <laughs> but the, the year that we were away, I was I was working on stuff that would eventually lead to Coconut Limited. So I don't think she really sort of saw that kind of transition because like yeah. the writing was always stuff that I did in private until sort of my late twenties. Yeah. But like weirdly. The last photo I have of my mum, which was like, you know, the little icon that you have, like phone phone oh, icon yeah, that you yeah. have, which, I you know, I still have my mum's number and my phone. Mm. I can't bring myself to delete yeah. it. Um But it's a photo of her in a hospital bed holding, like, I printed off the typeset manuscript oh, wow. of the book for her because it hadn't been printed yet yeah.
1: um,
0: and gave it to her to read in hospital. But she never, I don't know if she ever did. This is like... The, like this is the sad bit. Like this is this is a bit that always kind of upsets me about the whole thing. Was because *Coconut Limited* is like it's it's a comedy book, and so it's kind of like it it kind of takes the piss out of everyone. Mm. And um, it's the setup is a family not dissimilar to my own. Right. Yeah. The mum is like a constant source of um, like there's a constant friction between the mum and the main character. Because he's wasting his time rapping, right? Yeah, Uh, it's about a bunch of average rappers.
2: Okay.
0: Um, And I, I went. I did an interview on BBC London with. um, So basically, my mum, my mum had come home from the hospital. She was just sort of living in an armchair, like not really moving. She had like Macmillan nurses coming round, and I had like I was there the whole weekend, like reading to her and like hanging out with her and. Um, and then Sunday night, I had like a late night interview on BBC London with Nikki Bedi, who's like a really good friend of mine. I was like, I, ha- I need to do this. Nikki's cool. Like, I really like Nikki. Um, so I went in to do the interview, and so Nikki read an extract of the book, but she read an extract where it's essentially taking the piss out of the mum.
2: Oh, okay.
0: And um, I made the decision. I think I think that's what it was. I made the decision to go. H- Back to my flat that night rather yeah. than go back to my mum's and so I went back to the flat and then I just spent Sunday in in my flat or like doing whatever stuff I did I didn't really think much of it and I spoke to my mum during the day just like, oh did you listen to the radio and she was like yeah is that what you think of me uh, and and I was like oh no you're not the mum like it's yeah. just it's just a fictional mum. she was like but she sounded like me is that what you think of me and I was like going no 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 it's not it's not you honestly and I felt really really guilty about it the next day I go to work my dad was off anyway because I think I don't know I can't remember my dad I yeah. knew my dad wasn't coming in Um, and then I get a call from my cousin like my poor cousin Krupa, Um, he's like like she's like I'm really really close to like I've got a lot of cousins. I've got one mm. sister and lots of cousin sisters and we're all very very close and Cropper's like probably one of the ones I'm closest to she's the one who's like saddled with making the call oh
2: god and she
0: phones me up and she's like you have to come home and she didn't say on the phone what had happened by sort of new
2: so she'd already died by that point yeah so and, does that mean like, the last phone call you yeah. had was that phone call yeah that? that's hard
0: yeah and so, like, all this sort of stuff about, like, the work and, mm. you know, like, the my professional life and private life are so messily intertwined yeah, with sort of... yeah. And ultimately, it's like... It's so it's sort of, its like like this sort of weird teenage thing that I never got over. That all I wanted was just some sort of validation from my mum. And I,
2: I think join the queue. Like, yeah, <laughs>
0: that's
2: yeah. So, it's that's just fundamental, isn't but, it? Like,
0: but, but I guess it's amazing in grief. You never yeah. really get. You never get beyond it. It kind of it gets set in like. Well, we often the say that the
2: conversation stops. Yeah. So you don't get to say yeah, but look at this. <clears throat> Yeah, but look at look what I did now. And can you now change your mind? And you never get to him and go, oh, OK, well, that looks interesting, you know, which, of course, they might have done, you know. So yeah, you're just, of course. You're just left with your side of your sort of your angle, which is always a slightly child of like, hey, is this OK, what I did? Can someone just say yeah. yes? <laughs> yeah that's really hard that's and like really hard.
0: and your shit doesn't take into account whatever she was going through, yeah which course, was you know
2: of course yeah, she was making
0: peace d- with dying,
2: yeah very and, sick and but she you know she knew it was being published, she must have been proud of that that it, that's
0: i th- I think she was, yeah. but I think you know my mum my mum she was harsh, yeah, but like she's harsh but fair, <laughs> like she'd give you your props, but yeah. like. Um, she was like that Jay-Z song on to the next one where she was like okay cool you achieved that right next level let's do it and I guess that level of ambition that I feel like I have is probably because she was constantly telling me to not
2: just accept
0: yeah to not rest to just to keep pushing yeah
2: so Coconut Unlimited came out and then and you had the funeral in the midst of that. So so you weren't there when she died, she was at home. Mm. So when you got that phone call, did you just go back, you just went back to the house and then, you know, it all began the process of funerals and is that kind of what your life was in the midst of all this success, I suppose, at the same time?
0: Yeah. I, I, I knew I knew what had happened and yeah. I, I said to my boss, I need to go home. And she was like, I think she sort of knew and she was like, so she was like, she w- "We'll call you a cab," and I was like, "No, I, I I'm going to take the train because I yeah. sort of felt like, I don't, I don't know why. I think in that moment I was like, I can control taking the train. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Like
0: that feels normal well, to you me. You might have to
2: talk to a cab driver. Do you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> oh yeah, maybe. I had, maybe I, that's that was part of my thinking as well. But like, I just you know like at the end of that train journey is is something that you kind of yeah. don't want to deal with. So maybe like there was a prolonging there. I don't know. So I took took the tube home back to my mum and dad's house and like traditionally so that year like my aunt died and my granddad died my babaji died and my foy died and uh, my foy had had breast cancer for years and years and years and she'd kind of like she'd had a decade longer than everyone thought that she was going to have and she was amazing and so I think we kind of I mean it was tragic and awful and she was she was just like the best person but we kind of all knew that yeah. it would eventually happen and my my Bapuji, um, he'd been deteriorating for years um, and like traditionally what you do is you kind of have like 12 days of grieving where everyone right. kind of comes around to the house and like you you do prayers and you sort of sing and you chant and um, and it's sort of it's 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 like this weird thing like it's almost like this is such a stupid comparison, but you know, like the, you, when Stuart Lee does one of his rep, repetitious jokes, yes. and it's like it's funny, and then it's funny, yeah, and then yeah, it's yeah. funny, and then it's not funny, it's not funny, it's not funny, and then it's, it's funny, really you go, funny, yeah, yeah. Um, and then you kind of have a sense of closure with it. It's like it's like that, <laughs> with, like over those twelve days, where it's like it's sad, it's sad, it's sad, it's sad, it's not sad, it's not sad. You're processing it, you're processing it. Then you're sad, and then you kind of you're left with wow. a feeling of closure. And we'd done that twice that year, and I think. My dad, my dad was obviously like completely distraught because yeah. he and my mum were so close and they spent like, they worked together that, you know, they'd been together since their early 20s. He'd known us since he was 18. Aww, like, yeah. so like my dad was like, we're not doing that. We don't want anything religious at all. Wow. So we didn't have any of that stuff.
2: Do you think it was just too painful for him to just, it was like maybe it was too real if you did that it was that. yeah yeah it it's was such a ritual so it's like oh she's definitely gone then if we're doing the
0: 12 yeah. days
2: where we say she's gone but did did that make you feel a bit strange of like you didn't get that that moment
0: of well, closure I, I don't know like i think i was glad to, for it to not happen mm. um because it is intense as yeah, well because you kind days. of you kind of have to also host at the yeah. same time <laughs> But all my mum's brothers and sisters came round, and all the ones who are in the UK, and my dad's brothers and sisters came round. And that night, I was sleeping in my dad's bed. Mm. My dad was sleeping downstairs, like he'd like moved onto the sofa. Like they'd got a hospital bed. Yeah. Like what? What? You know, were those you know, hospital bed things. Yeah, that they
2: lend you. Yeah, yeah so they'd had one, had, had one that, had and, that, and yeah. he was
0: sleeping on the sofa and he he slept on the sofa and I slept in his and my mum's bed, which was weird and I was kind of like, I couldn't sleep. Mm. And I just, you know, I was just idly messing about on the internet and I saw that my mum's eldest brother had, like, updated his Facebook status to say, miss R.I.P., and we hadn't told anyone outside oh, the outside right. circle of the family, and like that was how loads of people in India found out that my mum had died oh, wow. through Facebook. And like overnight, her my mum's Facebook account turned into a shrine. Like people oh, leaving wow. messages, but people didn't know what had happened. They didn't know that she died. They didn't even know she'd had cancer because it had been two weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah. And. So, like, the day after my mum died, my sister and I had to figure out how to kill her digitally, which is really hard. Oh, my
2: God, you're joking. So we had to,
0: like, work out a way of turning, like, shutting down her Facebook account because we were like, we can't deal with this. Like, we don't want to see this. It's not appropriate. It feels strange. Yeah. And, you know, while all these outpouring of emotion was great, it sort of meant that we then had to suddenly phone loads of people the day after when we weren't necessarily ready to. And also, like, contact Facebook. And Facebook... The one time they responded quickly to a, <laughs> to a thing, um, they did delete the account. Which they have was... a
2: thing now where you can say this person has died. But mm. I don't think they did. I think it's quite recent. I read an article like you can now be like this person. You can choose somebody to look after your account when you die. Yeah. And then <clears> someone can come in and be like, yes, they've died. I confirm it. And they can take over. But I think that's quite new because people were like, please, God, help us. Like, we're getting all these all this information and I need to I'm trying to grieve and manage it yeah that's so such a modern thing to deal with isn't it it
0: is it's bonkers but it's like the following summer like I've had like a two year period of a lot of death like the following summer my mum's mum died and she like her heart was broken by my mum yeah. passing away and we were going away on like a North America trip and Bar was in the hospital and we were like should we cancel it mm. and everyone's like no no go it'll be fine just make sure you see her. So I went and I saw Bar just before we went, like the day before we went. Made sure I went over, ate some of her food, yeah, like yeah. standard, sort of <laughs> her food. And um, then we went off on our trip, and I found out that she died on Facebook because someone updated. Oh my it. god! And like everyone was like, Nick, she's on holiday. He'll want. It. He'll want to fly home. Just don't like allow it. Like yeah. he's like because I think she died like maybe two or three days before. Oh,
2: you were getting back anyway. I was getting yeah. back,
0: so like everyone was like, "Allow it, don't say anything." And then my cousin updated <laughs> his Facebook status to say that she died, and that was you know, yeah. and I was weird. But then like another weird like social media thing happened that day because Amy Winehouse died that very same day. Oh, how weird! And yeah. so like you know, you, I sort of saw on like. Social media, because like you do this sort of thing where like I don't know to distract myself just sort of scrolling through Twitter. But then Amy Winehouse died, and then like all this outpouring of emotion, and I I logged off because part of me was like, I've had an actual person that I knew and loved (laughs) died.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Sort of forgetting that moment that you know, hey, people make emotional connections through art. But in the moment, I was furious that people were really grieving because
2: it's when it's your grief, it's so. Everything else seems so small and far away, doesn't it? Of like, yeah. Like, oh, you're sad about that, are you? What? <laughs> <Didn't> <laughs> I'm even sad even about know. this. Look how big this is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you didn't know. But of course, like, it's like how I felt when David Bowie died. I was so upset. And I was like, God, if this had happened around my dad, I would have been like, get over it. What's your problem? <laughs> like,
0: yeah, exactly. Oh, you're
2: sad. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, that's very, that's a strange juxtaposition of everybody else suddenly feeling sad today because they're dealing with death and you having to deal with your grandma after your mum and yeah, that must have but been the, really But, strange. you know,
0: people, like Amy Winehouse impacted on a lot of people. Yeah, no, but sure. It, yeah, that day I was like, I was angry at a lot of people. Yeah. But, uh, you know.
2: But I think it's so interesting because like you said, it's such a modern problem mm. and, you know it's like we are the generation of people having to discover how do you cope when there's a twitter celebrity death and your own grief like that's a new thing for us as humans to be able to process and yeah i mean i god i i don't i think the answer normally is get off the internet it's normally just like don't be on it because i find that scrolling is really
0: yeah well it was i mean it was that thing that sort of juxtaposition of like scrolling to distract yourself yeah. from the stuff that's going on that kind of inspired my second novel yeah and so it became about like social media as a distraction distraction tool from dealing with a bereavement um i think
2: it's a very powerful distraction from a bereavement actually i think if you're grieving it's I a think, very
0: i think twitter 2011 to 2013 when it was last fun yeah yeah, months, yeah yeah but it's definitely not fun anymore
2: no, it's not as fun as it was, but I think I the trouble with social media and grief, like obviously we have a Twitter account at the Griefcast, and I have, I love it when people tweet. And there's been an amazing thing recently where somebody will be like, Hey, the Griefcast, I'm feeling this at six months, is that normal? And then I'll like quote it, and then like all these amazing listeners are like, Oh, yeah, that I had that after six months, I had this, because I'm 20 years ago, so often sometimes I'm thinking, Oh, God, I can't remember. <laughs> what was it like at six months? And it's a really lovely community, and I'm so proud of it, and so like, God, this is so great. But, like all good things, the flip side of it is this bleak place where you just, yeah, you know, you've been scrolling for an hour without knowing it and not thinking. And I think that can be, because so much of grief is processing, and you kind of need to process it, and it's like... But I made a joke on Twitter that what I did when I was a teenager, because we didn't have Twitter, is I watched tv so i would just start i started watching i always watched soaps so i i was like watching my normal soaps but i started watching everything so i was watching neighbors home and away um holly eastenders carnation street and i remember my mum coming in and being like are you watching emmerdale and me being like yeah yeah i've just like for the past week Which she was like that's she was like carried too much and that <laughs> was like the sign of like Oh you this isn't about you enjoying the soaps this is I'm not thinking. So yeah. that was that was old fashioned twitter. I just cuz you could watch that from half 5 to like almost 9.
0: Did you watch the repeats as well the neighbors repeats? No I
2: didn't do the repeats. I <laughs> saved myself repeats. I would occasionally watch it twice in one day if I, if I had to, like if my mum hadn't seen it. So I was like, I watched it a long time. Or if it was a
0: Brad-heavy episode. <laughs> yeah.
2: Henry, always oh, Henry. I don't remember, oh, I remember Henry. Henry, he was old school. He was so funny. He was such a funny character. Um, but that's, you know, we've always, I think that's the human urge is to distract because the pain is so overwhelming. Yeah. I felt, and this is obviously pre-Twitter, I felt like I just didn't know what to do with it. So I can see Twitter is like so much more tasty than telly because telly is like occasionally there's something boring on. You know what I mean? <laughs> the soaps run out or the news comes on. You're like, oh, but with Twitter you can just keep scrolling. Yeah. So how did you did you find that you wanted to get off it, or did you what did you find that it was impacting on the way you were grieving or anything like that?
0: I think the whole thing just made me a lot more anxious.
2: Oh yeah.
0: yeah um, yeah. I I mean it's only like in the last few years where I've kind of like. Been doing a lot more stuff around diversity and rate, like race, ra- racism stuff. That I've quite, I've, I've finally sorted out my social media thing. Right. To kind of protect myself from like this dickheads on the internet. Yeah. Whereas like. Go online, say something that you know is going to piss some people off, and um, <laughs> other people are going to give you like a thumbs up emoji, and then just go about your day.
2: Yeah, get out, get yeah. out, <laughs> go in, get out. Knob yeah. a
0: grenade, run <laughs> yeah, away yeah. from the grenade. Yeah, it,
2: yeah, you need to. I but, think yeah, you can still use it as a platform and still, mm, but yeah, you have to you have to manage yourself really.
0: Yeah, uh, as part of my like cooking and cooking oh, yeah, my yeah. way out of grief stuff like I wrote this essay for BuzzFeed about oh,
2: yes yeah
0: about like my aunt my mom's sister um teaching me how to make parties, and then I knew there was like more work to be done around that thing
2: yeah
0: and um I was in a really crap job and I was desperate to leave this crap job and I saw this commission for like this Bristol theatre festival called Mayfest but wanted to commission oh, yeah, like yeah. Commission new work, so I was like, maybe I'll turn this into a show. Maybe I'll like just cook for people and tell them about my (laughs) mum. And I got the commission, and so I basically wrote a one-man, one-person show where I cooked my mum, like one of my favourite dishes of my mum's, for an audience. Wow! And then what
2: dish was it? So we can imagine.
0: um, Is like a potato and pea shark, Mm
2: -hmm. Um,
0: and then I got. Members from the audience to help me make your parties, and then like we would all eat together. And we like for the length of the show, we took over this house wow. and we turned it into like my flat. Yeah. And I was like, people would show up, and like the audience would show up in like, we'd only have like 20 or, 20 or 30 of them. Um, they would be, like, my dinner party guests and I would, like, cook and talk talk to them and, like, it was all, like, beautifully sound designed and stuff. And it was, like, it was a good show. Like, I think an actor would have done it, done it more justice. I'm not an actor. I was, like, very heavily, like... Like every night, just talking through all this stuff like that, that included all these sort of very, sort of very small details about my mum and like that shopping list story, which I'd never told anyone. I yeah. just did it privately. I didn't even tell my wife that I did it until years later. Um, but the thing, sorry, just to bring that thought home, like the thing that happened after every show was that people would come up to me yeah. or tweet me or send me messages through my site, going, "My grandma used to make this." special type of cake and i haven't thought about it in years and now i really want to eat it or like
1: yeah.
0: my mum sent me her recipe for this thing or like you're right i need to learn how to and it was suddenly this sort of communing through food with with members of your family like who are either there or not was suddenly this sort of really powerful thing
2: it's so powerful and you've actually just reminded me my mother-in-law who my husband was extremely close to his mum she made um, a load of marmalade she was really into making marmalade. And after she died, we had about six jars. And so he kept eating it after she died. And that was a really... I remember him saying, like, I could tell what, how much that meant to him. Mm. And the last jar, whew, that was a tough day when he was like, it's the end of the marmalade. But it was kind of like, by the time we got there, it was not okay, but it was okay, you know? And mm. and we still... And we kept the jar because it's obviously... <clears throat> it's still got her right... You know, it mm. says... Marmalade batch 2012 or something like that because she would Mm. keep it and it would last. And yeah, I'd never, I'd forgotten that. And we also have her recipe book, which is like, because she was proper, like born in the 40s, like it's these beautifully handwritten things that she'd collated throughout her life of, whereas mine is like magazine cutouts that I found of cakes I like. And he would then, just after she died, he would make stuff from there that he remembered her making. And still, I'm always trying to buy, I always try and buy him nice marmalade. And every time I have the jar, I'm like, is it, is it as good as, he's like, it's not as good as my mum's. Like, <laughs> nothing will ever, obviously. But I'm always trying to be like, maybe we'll find one that reminds you or tastes it. But I think we just need to make her a recipe, which we, it's quite hard to make marmalade. <laughs> That's the problem.
0: Well, it's like all that stuff is kind of wrapped up in memory as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, food was family, food was yeah. home. And, um, my best times with my mum were when when we were sharing meals together.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and, and my worst times as well, because, like, <laughs> me and my sister would be sitting at the kitchen table and, like, maybe I hadn't done well at school or maybe I got into trouble for something. And my mum had this sort of very overpowering – she's very small, but she had this very overpowering way of, like, um, she'd have, like, one flip-flop foot up on a bench. <laughs> like, and you, you the foot was always up on the bench of the person she was annoyed with. <laughs> And she'd sort of just be leaning leaning over the table and she had this way of like cutting potatoes into the palm of her hand, wow. like to dice them really yeah, small. Yeah, yeah. And she'd just be doing that, like handling a knife, like just like <laughs> telling you off. And it was always really intimidating. <laughs>
2: that sounds really intimidating.
0: Yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah. Um, but also like my mum really loved snacks and really loved snacking. And so like some of my fondest memories were like we would watch every single sitcom and like ER together (laughs) and we'd always share a snack Yeah, and it was always like just a really wholesome time of my life um there's sort of like these really intimately lovely moments with my mum and the like the last year that she was alive like we'd just moved to North London Mm. and it wasn't far from Harrow and she'd always like Make me, like, whenever I came over, she'd always make me stay past, like, it being too late for me to, like, go from Harrow into yeah, town and yeah. then back out again. And then she'd drive me home. And then we'd <laughs> always have these sort of really beautiful car journeys. And, like, I'd always have, like, leftovers in my lap. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think about those car journeys a lot because I wish I'd made more use of them. But, you know, like, there's always this hindsight thing yeah. that happens to me. Like, I wish I, I wish these. Stories hadn't died with you, and I. I wish oh, I'd no. asked you about this. And
2: it's so hard. It's so hard. I have so, like yeah, especially car journeys, when you're and you're often like in a hurry or you're bored and you're like oh, this is taking so long, and now you're like why didn't I say this or say that? But it's. So, I always come back to like the truth of your relationship, and like the truth of a parent child often is the mundane sitting yeah. there talking about something they saw, you saw someone you know, or, or did you know so and so's daughters doing that? No, I didn't know that. Like and that that is what it so much of it is. So if you'd had these epic conversations, that would have been not da- who you two were to each of other. A series Dawson's Creek. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so.
0: But that, but the, but that's why I think it's important to remember the mundane stuff yeah, as well. Like definitely. to remember the way my mum would cut potatoes, or yeah. like what was part of the big shop, or um, how if you ever bought her. a present for the house it always had to be like matching pairs you couldn't buy her like one pillow oh okay like one cushion thing Yeah, would yeah, always yeah. have to be like two, two. or <laughs> if you bought her a pic, uh, f- picture frame it always had to be two like little things like that I yeah. think are really important
2: well there's so much of what makes the person aren't they those tiny details because otherwise you can say oh who was your mum it's like all, the, all of those little things are what make made her her
0: yeah exactly and I
2: think the food thing is a really nice way of doing it. Like, I think that's a lovely, a lovely idea. Yeah, you really made me remember a lot of stuff, actually. I just remember my dad wasn't particularly a cook, but, like, he was definitely a, like... I would say to my husband, like, Saturday he'd go to the market, we had this, like, proper old-school market where we grew up, and he'd get, every, you know, get, like, a big round of prawns and cockles and, like, salad, and then he'd come back and he'd, like, make all this, like, huge dips and everything. Like, it was just like a buffet we would have and that to me is such a happy memory of all of us on Saturday shelling prawns having thousand (laughs) island dressing and you know like yeah and eating salad and just sat around the table and that really you're right that is family that is home is those moments not always the intense conversations or the arguments it's just sat around a table yeah like arguing lightly with each other
0: my dad never cooked. My dad it dad, still doesn't cook. My dad doesn't cook. But I have very formative memories of, like, whenever he and I would watch films that I was obviously too young to be watching, <laughs> um, his dish that he would make was he would slice cucumber and he would slice cheese and put them, like, layer them on top of each other and then great, uh, grind pepper over <laughs> top of them. And we'd be sitting there eating, like, peppery cheese and... <laughs> cucumbers while watching predator or what have you
2: it's <laughs> a nice little snack yeah. i mean i feel like he's missing a cracker that's what it yeah. like it wanted was like a little or like a, a wafer or something or a piece of bread and then you've got like a that's a perfect snack that was what would be missing for me when you're cheese and cucumber pizza
0: do you ever find yourself like replicating like i don't know either like a body move or I said not habit. so much,
2: yeah, uh, habits, definitely, habit. it's I don't know body moves because I can't remember them, but it's phrases. My dad, if you want to, like, if you're talking about, like, what sums up my dad, the word, that's the real McCoy. It's <laughs> like, we still say that. Like, he would, if he, like, especially he was eating something, he'd ah oh, that's the real McCoy, that is, that's the real McCoy, carry out, that is the real McCoy. And he would, and that is just...
0: I, I love stuck it when in my head. I love it when parents use a cliche like they're the first person <laughs> yeah, to have ever yeah, say. I know.
2: but that meant like you knew if Dad said that, it was like it's a really good thing.
0: My have used to say, "Well, Nikesh, it's just called just one of those things," <laughs> and it was a double repetition of just and just that always made me laugh. It's just called. Just one One of those things. things. That's
2: really sweet. (laughs) That's really nice. Well, Nikesh, thank you so much for coming to talk to me about your lovely mum and her cooking.
0: Thanks, (laughs) Ad.
2: You can follow Nikesh on Twitter at Nikesh Shukla and his third novel, The One Who Wrote Destiny, is out in April 2018. If you have been enjoying the show, please do rate and review and subscribe. It helps other people find the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the thegriefcast or email me thegriefcast at gmail.com. Music was provided by The Glue Ensemble and the show was produced by Kate Holland with thanks to Whistledown Studios. And remember, you are not alone.